This is a woman's microphone. Somebody finally invented a, a woman's microphone that doesn't have wires and clips. And a, a lady pastor in Canada showed me this. I think it might need to go down just a little bit, if you don't mind. Well, it's great to be back in Dayton. This is beautiful country. We always enjoy coming and just looking at the scenery as we come and go. Uh, we're going to head back over to, uh, or not back over, but over to uh, North Carolina tomorrow. And we get to go through that part between Cleveland and Murphy, North Carolina. And, oh, it's beautiful. It goes along the river. We, I just love it. I make him drive so I can watch the scenery. Well, let's pray before we get into the Word. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this church, Father. I thank you for your anointing upon this church. I thank you that you have placed this church in this community for such a time as this. And Father, we just thank you that your blessings rest upon the pastors, your blessings rest upon the people. And Father, we thank you that as I minister tonight, that the word will go deep into the hearts of the people, Father. I thank you that the Holy Spirit, our teacher, is in our midst. I thank you that he'll think through my mind. He'll speak through my lips. And we'll all leave this place, Father, at a little higher place than we were when we came in. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with it to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Now, normally, I am a line-on-line -line teacher. But tonight, it'll be a little bit different, and I'll tell you how in just a minute. But first, we're going to read Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 26. Now, I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 26. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Now, if we back up earlier in this chapter, Jesus gave the parable of the sower. And then he explained it to his disciples, and he explained them to them that the seed is the word of God. So we could read it this way. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters the seed of the word of God, or we could say the gospel seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First a blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying if the Word of God can just get planted in a human heart, it has the ability in and of itself to grow and to produce fruit and to produce a harvest. So the title of my message tonight is Plant the Gospel Seed. So I'm going to be sharing several personal experiences. And as I do, I don't want you to get the idea that I think I'm a hero or I'm some great example that needs to be followed. But I don't know your stories, so I'm going to have to tell mine. Let me start by asking you a question. How many of you have ever planted a seed and the same day the plant came up? Not one of us, right? It just doesn't happen like that. When it comes to planting the gospel seed, we all would like to see immediate results, right? We share about Jesus with somebody. We'd love to see them pray right then to receive Jesus as their Savior. And thank God there are times when we get to see somebody pray right on the spot and receive Jesus. But there are other times when it takes a period of time. Sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, even years before we see the results of the seed that we planted. When I was in high school, 
Uh, there was a girl in my school, I'm just going to call her Blair, because I know some of these things go out over the internet. Who knows who would watch it? I don't want to call her real name. But her name, uh, I'm going to call her Blair. She was one of those people that would be very intimidating to approach. She was just a rough girl. She had a filthy mouth. She was always bragging about her drinking and her partying. But my best friend and I, who was also a Christian, uh, we really had a burden for her on our hearts. And so we prayed for her all year long. But the time came when graduation was approaching. And so we knew we had to do something because we were never going to see her again. So we didn't know what to do. So we talked about it. We prayed about it. We were big chickens, actually. We were cowards. We were afraid to approach this girl. And so we came up with this idea that we would write her a letter. So we wrote her this letter, and each one of us shared our personal testimony about how we received Jesus. And then we told her how to pray to receive Jesus as her Savior. But then we had this dilemma, who's going to give the letter to Blair? So we did the spiritual thing. We drew straws. And I was praying I wouldn't get the short straw. And sure enough, I didn't. My friend got it. I was so relieved. So one day, not long after that, after school, my friend goes running out to the car where Blair is getting in the car and just sticks the letter in her hand and comes back into the school building. And then we both run into the girls' restroom and scream. You know, we did it. We did it. So Blair never said one word to us about getting that letter. But a few days later, we found out from some other students that while we were in another room doing something for the teacher, Blair passed that letter around the entire study hall to get some laughs, and everybody in the study hall read it. Well, two weeks later, right before graduation, two girls in our senior class who were in that study hall were killed when an Amtrak train hit their car. I mean, it was a horrible time. You can imagine what a shadow that put over our graduation. I know the girls read the letter, and I just pray that they received Jesus before they died. But what happened to Blair? Well, years went by, and I was back in my hometown visiting my parents, and I had gone shopping in the mall, and I was just you know, going through a rack of clothes, and all of a sudden somebody called out, Angela, Angela! And I turned around, and she said, Do you remember me? And it took just a second for me to recognize her because there was such a change in her. And she had three little children with her. And she said, don't you remember me? She said, I got married. She said, these are my kids, and we all go to a Pentecostal church. I mean, I almost fainted. I, couldn't, I almost couldn't believe it. What happened? The seed came up. The seed came up. My first full-time ministry position was at a little Assemblies of God church in southern Mississippi. And the pastor got this idea that every Friday night, and I mean, we did this for months because it's warm down there. And uh, every Friday night, we would go out to the local mall, and there was a man in our church who managed the grocery store next to the mall, and the pastor rented a flatbed truck. And so we plugged it into the sign for the grocery store, and I, we would get up on that flatbed truck, I would lead worship, and the pastor would preach. And cars would pull up out across the mall parking lot. Some would stay there a while, others not long. Some rolled their windows down. Some yelled things to us as they left that weren't very nice. But in all that time, months of preaching, every Friday night, we never saw one person respond to the altar call. Nobody ever called the church later on, you know, to say they had received Jesus. I mean, it looked for all appearances like we had wasted our time. But years later... I was back in that town preaching uh, at a church of a friend of mine, 
And after the service, this woman came walking up wearing a police uniform. And she said, you don't know me, but I know you. She said, years ago, she said, I was a student at the university here in town. And she said, me and some friends would get drunk every Friday night. And we would drive to the mall and we would sit way back in the parking lot, roll the windows down, and listen to you all and make fun of you. She said, but I could never get away from what I heard. And she said, I eventually received Jesus as my Savior. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. She said, I attend this church, and I'm on the police force here in town. What happened? The seed came up. I read a story about a minister. This is a true story. A minister who uh, was preaching a convention in England. And after the convention, he was meeting with a group of pastors who had attended. And you know how it is when you meet other Christians you know, one of the first things you ask is, how did you get saved? And so he was talking to these pastors, and he kept hearing the same story over and over again. They were in Sydney, Australia, for some reason, different reasons. They were walking downtown when this little man stepped out and gave them a tract. And through that tract, they eventually received Jesus as their Savior. So he leaves there, and he goes down into the Caribbean, and he holds another conference and several missionaries that were there at the conference told him the same kind of story. The little man, downtown Sydney, Australia. So then he came later to the United States and he preached to a group of 1,000 Navy chaplains. And the head chaplain took him out to eat after the, after the service. And he began to tell him his salvation story. He was a sailor. Uh, his ship docked in Sydney, Australia. He was drunk. He was walking downtown, and this little man stepped out and put a tract in his hands. And he said, I got back to the ship, and he said, I read that tract, and I knelt by the bunk, my bunk, and I gave my life to Jesus. And he said, now I'm over all thousand of these chaplains. And he said, we are all avid soul winners. So then the man, the minister, he went to India, and he spoke to a group of 5,000 native Indian evangelists. And after it was all over, the man who was over all of these evangelists took him out to eat. And he told him his salvation story. And he said, I was in business in Sydney, Australia. Walking downtown, a little man stepped out, put a tract in my hand. He said, I didn't understand it. I didn't even know what it was. He said, I took it back to India and showed it to my Hindu priest. And he said, well, I can't help you, but maybe this American missionary over here can. So he sent him, to, the Hindu priest sent him to an American missionary who shared the gospel with him and he got saved. He said, so I'm over these 5,000 native evangelists. And he said, we're winning hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus. Finally, this minister ends up in Sydney, Australia, preaching at a church there. And he mentioned all of this, all of this testimonies, the salvation stories to the pastor. And the pastor said, oh, I know that little old man. He said, I'll take you to his house. So he took him to his house. By this time, the man is very elderly. And as this minister began to share all these stories with him, the little man just sat there and wept. And he said, for 40 years, one day every week, I went downtown Sydney and handed out tracts. He said, if anybody ever got saved as a result, I never knew. Now, can you imagine continuing that for 40 years? How many of us would have given up after a few weeks or months? But he did it faithfully for 40 years, and look at what happened. A few, a few months after this, after the man heard the story, he died. He went to heaven, and I can only imagine 
the throng of people, hundreds, thousands of people greeted him in heaven and thanked him for being faithful to stand downtown Sydney, Australia and pass out tracts. See, you never know what the person that you reach with the gospel is going to do for the kingdom of God. There was an evangelist who held a meeting in North Carolina years ago. He preached there for two weeks. And he was so discouraged, he called a, a minister friend and he said, I can't believe it. He said, I'm so discouraged. He said, I preached hard for two weeks and only one young boy got saved. His name was William Graham. He got Billy Graham saved. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine the fruit for that minister through Billy Graham? You know, sometimes we get to see the results of the gospel seed we planted. But even if we don't, it doesn't mean that person will never receive Jesus. Often we plant a seed in someone's heart and it just takes time for it to grow. You may see the results, but you may not until you get to heaven. But I can guarantee you, if you will be faithful to plant the gospel seed, one day you'll get to heaven and there will be people there that you never knew, never met, and they will thank you for being faithful to do your part to make sure that the gospel seed got planted. Regardless of whether or not you see the results, have faith in the seed. Amen. You know, a seed knows what to do. You put an apple seed in the ground, it doesn't get confused. It doesn't come up as a peach tree. It doesn't just sit there and wonder, well, what am I supposed to do now? No, it immediately begins to, to germinate. It immediately begins to do what it's supposed to do to produce not a peach tree, it's not confused, it pre, it, not, a, not a, a pear tree, it will produce an apple tree. Like Jesus said, the seed sprouts and grows, you may not know how. I don't know about you, I don't understand how it works. I don't understand how a little tiny seed can get planted in the ground and produce a huge tree full of apples that are full of seeds. The potential for thousands of trees is in that one little seed. The same is true of the gospel. It doesn't sit dormant inside a person. It begins to work. It starts working immediately, and it works continually in them. And the Holy Spirit works with the seed of the word to bring that person to salvation. But if a seed is never planted, the Holy Spirit doesn't have anything to work with. The gospel is powerful. Even, like I said, even if you're not the one to reap the harvest... A person can still receive Jesus at a later time because you planted a seed. So never stop planting the gospel seed any way you can. And you might say, well, how can I plant the gospel seed? Well, I'm going to give you some ways. The first way to plant the gospel seed in other people is through the witness of your own life. Just your daily life. Maybe you've heard the old saying, preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. The way you live your life before others can be one of the greatest ways of planting the gospel seed that you have. It'll be the greatest sermon you ever preach. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 14, I'm reading this out of the New King James Version. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is in good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they put it under a lamp, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. 
Everywhere you go as a Christian, you're giving light to everybody around you if you're living for the Lord. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Often you don't realize it, but people are watching you. Whether they know you're a Christian or not, there's something different about you. They're watching you. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had the experience of, of you know, the devil in people will recognize the light in you. I've had people drive by me. I'm not breaking the law. I didn't cut them off in traffic or anything. And they make horrible faces or they, you, I can tell they're cursing me or they give me a little hand signal <laughs> that isn't very nice. And I'm thinking, what did I do? Nothing. It's just the light in you. But that also works in a positive way, not just a negative way. People in your neighborhood, people on your job, people that you might go to school with if you're younger and going to school, they're watching your life. What are they seeing? The question has been asked, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? From what people saw, would there be enough witnesses that could come forward and say, I can say they're a Christian because, and name something about your life. When I was a senior, on the last day of school, the most popular girl in my, in my school came up to me in the restroom, and she said something that shocked me. She said, I've been watching you all year. And she said, your life has had an impact on me. Like I said, I was shocked. I mean, this girl was the head cheerleader. She was, uh, you know, the homecoming queen. She was Miss Everything. Why would she be watching me? But she was. It was just that light. It was the light in me. Nothing that I, you know, nothing that I was doing other than just living for Jesus. Colossians chapter 4, beginning with verse 5. I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation. Colossians chapter 4, beginning with verse 5. It says, walk in the wisdom of God as you live before the unbelievers and make it your duty to make him known. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. For then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. As I said earlier, uh, my first ministry position was as a, a youth and Christian education minister in a church. But three months after, or three years rather, after I was in that position, the church had a split. And so the church wasn't able to pay me my full salary anymore, so I had to go to work at a secular job. So I got employment at an insurance agency, and my job was to check all of the insurance applications for any blanks where they needed to get more information. So agents would be out all week long writing applications. They would come in on Friday, and then I would have to meet with each one of them and show them where they still needed to go back to those people and get more information. So after several months, one of the agents stayed behind after the, the others left, and he cornered me in the hallway, and he said, there's something different about you. I want to know what it is. There's your open door, you know, to share the gospel. And so I did. So the first way to plant the gospel seed is through the witness of your life. The second way is to follow the inward promptings that the Holy Spirit gives you. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 in the New King James Version. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Well, that's good, but I really like it in the Passion Translation. Romans 8, 14. It says, the mature children of God 
are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Are you moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit as you go about your daily life? See, the leading of the Spirit is not just for us so that we can make right choices in our personal life. He also wants to lead us to people who need to receive Jesus, lots of times who are ready to receive Jesus. Other times they just need the gospel seed planted in them. A couple of years ago, I was sitting in the waiting room of a doctor's office, and this man came in wheeling his mother in a wheelchair. And it was obvious she had had a stroke. She couldn't talk, so he was doing all the talking for her. And I'm just sitting there minding my own business. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost nudged me, and he said, she hasn't got long to live, and she's not born again. So I happened to hear him tell the, the lady at the front desk what nursing home she was in. And believe me, I struggled with this for a while. I'm not an outgoing person. You can ask my husband. I'm, I'm really, other than in the pulpit, I'm not a very outgoing person. I heard Reinhard Bonnke say this one time, and it really helped me. If you know who Reinhard Bonnke was, he's in heaven now. But I mean, he would go to Africa and preach these crusades, hundreds of thousands of people. He said, I don't have any problem standing before hundreds of thousands of people, but you let me get one-on-one -on -one with somebody. He said, I'm just not very good at it. So, you know, that was kind of where I was. I shouldn't make that confession that that's where I still am. No, that's where I was. But at that time... It took all the courage I could muster to go find that nursing home because I just remembered what the Holy Ghost said. She isn't born again, and she's not going to live much longer. So I went to that nursing home and went inside, and I found her. She was sitting out in the big room with, with several other people, and I just went by, knelt by her wheelchair. And, I, and she turned to me, and I saw understanding in her eyes. You know, you can look at somebody, and you can tell if, if they're really focused in on what you're saying. And I began to share the gospel with her, and I knew she couldn't talk. So I told her, I said, now, I'm going to pray a prayer to receive Jesus. And if you want to receive Jesus, you just agree in your heart with what I'm praying. And so she, she watched me the whole time. And when I said amen, it was like that understanding just lifted and she turned her head and just started looking around the room. I believe the Lord gave her a few moments of clarity so that she could receive Jesus. A number of years ago, I had gone with a friend to another city to visit her father in the hospital. And as we were walking down the hall to his room, we passed by ICU waiting room. And there were a number of people in there, and I could tell that they were really upset. And I just walked on by, but that night, I couldn't get to sleep thinking about it. I just couldn't get those people off my heart. And again, I'm not the kind of person to do this. But the next day, I walked into the ICU waiting room, and I said, why is everybody here? And a man spoke up, and he said, we're here for my girlfriend. He said she took an overdose of sleeping pills trying to commit suicide. And I said, would you give me permission to go in and minister to her? Or I didn't say minister to her. I said, pray for her. And he said, yes. And so I went in, sure enough. I mean, she was unconscious. I laid hands on her. I commanded in Jesus' name that she would wake up and come out of that coma and be normal. And then I shared the gospel with her. And I said the same thing to her that I said to that lady in the wheelchair. I said, you know, I'm going to pray a prayer to receive Jesus and you just agree in your heart with what I'm praying if you want to receive him as your Savior. So I did that, and then I knew there was a good church in town because the man that we had gone to visit attended that church. And I told her, I said, now when you wake up, go to this church. And I told her the name, and I told her the address. I expect to see that young woman in heaven. 
I don't believe God dealt with me and sent me there for, you know, for her not to receive Jesus. Let me just take a little side journey here. You know, studies have proven that when people are unconscious or in a coma, they can still hear. They can still hear you. A lot of times when people come out of a coma or from being unconscious, they'll tell you things that were said in the room, things that even happened in the room. Sometimes, you know, they, they die temporarily and their spirit lifts out of their body and they can see what's going on in the room. So that's why we need to be careful when we're in the room with somebody who's in a coma or unconscious, what we say. That we don't talk death talk, that we don't talk negative talk, but we speak words of faith to them and, and the people in the room speaking to one another about them. But uh, you can definitely share Jesus with people that are unconscious or in a coma. They can hear you. So back to being led. And this is something we can probably all identify with. Last year, Larry and I were going to preach a meeting in Kansas, and we stopped in Wichita to get lunch. And we were sitting at McDonald's waiting to get coffee, and I spotted this little old man begging on the corner across the street. And that compassion of God just rose up on the inside of me. We need to learn to follow that compassion. And so I told Larry, I said, i got to go give that little man some money. So we drove around the corner and pulled up to a traffic light, and he was standing there, and I gave him a track and $20 bill. And he turned around, and I could see him wiping tears. You know, you don't know. People have fallen on hard times. They may have known the Lord, or maybe they still do. But they just need a reminder that God loves them. And he had that tangible evidence right there in his hand. I travel with tracks in my car, both cars. We have two cars, a little running around town car and then our, our travel car. I have tracks in English and also in Spanish. We're getting more and more people in the United States that speak Spanish, so we need to be prepared to minister to them. Um, so another time, there was a Hispanic family in a Walmart parking lot. A mother, father, three kids, and the mother was holding a little baby. And they had this sign in broken English, something like, no work, need food, or something like that. And that compassion rose up in me, and I overrode it. I thought, I'm busy, I don't have time, i got things to do, and I've got a certain time limit to do it in, so I just drove on by. And the Holy Ghost just wouldn't leave me alone. So I, I made the block, and I came back, and I gave him a tract and some money, tract in Spanish. I don't know. I believe one day I'll see him in heaven. You know, we can't give to every person begging on the street. That's obvious. And some we probably shouldn't give to because they're professional beggars. If we followed them away, we'd probably find out they drove off in a BMW or something. But we need to be sensitive on the inside to people that we see. And I'm not just talking about people begging on the street. I'm talking about wherever we go. We need to keep our, Brother Hagen used to call it, our spiritual antennas up for people that are in need. People that are ready to receive Jesus. A few years ago, the Holy Spirit laid a cousin on my heart that I had not had contact with for years. And I told Larry, I said, I just, I can't get him off my heart. I knew he wasn't saved. And so we happened to be doing a meeting just a couple of three hours away from where he lived. So we left that meeting and drove, I called him ahead of time. And we drove to his house and took him and his wife out to eat. And then we got back to their house and Larry and I started sharing the gospel. And he was very defensive you know, well, you know, I don't really talk about spiritual things. You've probably all heard that line before. You know, that's my own personal private business. And we just kept going. And his wife started crying. 
And I knew that she probably wouldn't pray in front of him. And if he was going to pray, I'm sure he wouldn't do it in front of all of us. So I just told him how to pray. I said, get off by yourself sometime and just pray this prayer. And then I told him what to pray. So, you know, I don't know what the end result is. I know that a few months later he got sick and he died. And we lost contact with her. But I believe that God at least sent us there to give him and her a chance to receive the gospel. The Holy Spirit knows whose hearts are prepared and ready to receive. And he can lead us to people like that. We don't witness to every waiter and waitress in in restaurants. But last year we were in Ohio out to eat with the pastors. And Larry just sensed that the waitress was ready to receive Jesus. So he started sharing with her. And the pastor jumped in and he started sharing too. And the pastor ended up leading her in the sinner's prayer and giving her some information about his church. Many Christians never share their faith. And they use excuses like this. Well, I'm shy. Well, I've already told you I am. I'm shy. That's just not my personality. I'm not very bold. Well, you know, boldness doesn't come while you're sitting at home on the couch. You don't need to be bold to sip a Pepsi and watch television. Boldness only comes when you step out and you need it. If you're shy, I encourage you to join up with some other people who are going out witnessing. I did this. Uh, I went back to the States. I don't remember. Larry was still in Poland. I went back for some reason. And our home church was having a guy in, a street preacher, that was going to do a little uh, seminar on evangelism. And I thought, I don't want to go to that. But the Lord said, you're going. So, so I went. And then he said that, that next night that they were going to take some teams out into the street. And I thought, I am definitely not coming then. The Lord said, you're going. So I showed up with fear and trembling, and they, they divided us into groups of three. And so I told the other two, I said, listen, I'll be the silent partner. I'll be the one that stands in praise, and you guys share the gospel. So we did that, walked up to two young fellows, probably in their teens. They shared the gospel, both of them instantly prayed to receive Jesus. Then we went on and got somebody else saved. And by that time, I said, hey, I'm taking the next one. See, that boldness comes when you get out and you just start needing it. The boldness comes. And then there's other ways to share the gospel that don't even involve face-to-face contact. When I was in high school, I led two young men in prison to the Lord through writing letters. Do you have somebody on your heart? Maybe somebody, a friend, an old friend, or a family member that you've had on your heart for a while? How about writing them and sharing the gospel with them? Just share your testimony. And then just tell them how to pray to receive Jesus. Another way is to leave tracks in public places. Now, when I say tracks, I am not talking about the kind that have flames of fire on the front. You're going to go to hell. Listen, Larry probably would have gotten saved a lot sooner than he did. You know, maybe you've heard his testimony. He was a drug dealer and a drug addict for 13 years. But years before he got saved, he worked with this man on a job. And all the man would ever tell him is, you're going to hell. Well, Larry already knew that. He didn't need to hear where he was going. He needed to hear what to do to keep from going there. So be careful about the tracks that you select, that it's good news. The gospel is good news. It's not bad news. I have a track that was written by Billy Graham's daughter. Her name is Ann Graham Lotz, L-O-T-Z. And the title of the track is God Will Forgive You. And that is a really good track to give out because most people have something 
that they feel like they need forgiveness for, especially if they're not saved. And so I leave that in hotel rooms. We'll leave one over here in the hotel when we leave with money. <laughs> Get their attention. Have some money there with it. I also have tracks in Spanish. Just left one at the last hotel in Spanish because all the housekeeping staff was Hispanic. But make sure whatever track you choose, there's a prayer of salvation at the end. Some tracks just present the gospel, but they never tell people what to do to receive Jesus. And if you're going to leave a track at a restaurant, please leave a tip with it, a good tip. Uh, when I was at Rama, some of my, my students came to me and they said, listen, you know, if you're going to talk about leaving tracks, please ask people, don't just leave a track. They said, we've got unsaved waiters and waitresses that work with us at our job, and they hate to take the Sunday afternoon shift. They said the Christians come in, they complain about everything, they send food back, and then they leave, and all they have on, leave on the table is a tract. Or they leave a tract with a little measly tip. And they said it's a horrible, horrible witness. So, you know, we want to be a good witness. If you're going to leave a tract, do it with class. Do it with style. You can, some of you are on social media. We're not, we're not social media people, so we're not on social media. But, you know, on Facebook... Maybe on Twitter, I don't know how long tweets can be. That's what they call them. Larry calls them tweets. <laughs> anyway, you know, you can leave a, just a real brief testimony and a real short prayer to receive Jesus. But, you know, be careful. Don't argue with people. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 said it's the kindness. Some translations say it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance, not arguing with them. Then you can pray for the unsaved. That their hearts will be prepared to receive the gospel. Jesus said in telling the parable of the sower, I like the New American Standard translation of Matthew 13, 23. It says that a man who has a heart that's good soil hears the word and understands it. Matthew's the only gospel that adds that part about understanding it. A lot of people hear the gospel, but it just goes over their head. They don't understand it. Why? Because 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 tells us that the God of this world, which is the devil, blinds their minds to the truth of the gospel so that they can't see the truth. So is there anything we can do about that? Let's say you've got a family member or a good friend and you're praying for their salvation, but it just seems like nothing's getting through to them. Take authority in the name of Jesus over the devil. Say, you cannot blind them. In Jesus' name, I forbid you. To blind them to the truth of the gospel. I command you, you get your hands off their mind. And you'll have to do that, you know, rather consistently. I don't mean like every 30 minutes, but the devil is persistent. And you say, well, why can't I just pray one time and that's it? Because that person has a will. When it comes to us receiving for ourselves, all we have to do is find a promise in the word... Take it, say, Father, here it is. You said, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I believe it. I believe that I receive right now. And then you thank God for it until you see it manifested. But when it comes to praying for other people, that's a different matter. Their will is involved. So you have to pray until their will becomes conformed to God's will. And, of course, the enemy's right there all the time, trying to blind them, trying to blind them. So you have to be consistent in breaking the power of the devil. But you can get them free enough so that when they hear the gospel, it makes sense to them. It sounds like the best thing they've ever heard. Pray for laborers to reach them. 
Jesus said in Matthew 9, 38, New King James Version, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God knows who each person will listen to. It might be you and it might not be. Sometimes it's hard for a family member to receive from another family member because they have to admit then that they're wrong. And a lot of people can't do that. But God knows who they will listen to. And you know, it might be a person and it might be something other than a person. Uh, it could be a movie, like The Passion of the Christ, uh, a book, a TV program. My brother was backslidden for years. But in 1988, somebody in January of 1988 wrote a book, maybe you guys remember it, entitled 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. Well, the guy was totally wrong. Jesus didn't come back in 88. But my brother got a hold of that book and read it, and it put the fear of God in him in a good way. And I can remember he called me on the phone and he said, Angela, he says, I'm giving my life back to Jesus. He said, I'll live for him all the days of my life. And he did. He got active in his church. He became a soul winner. He went with a Baptist church. He became a deacon in the church. And he lived for Jesus until the day he went to heaven. Pray that God will plant thoughts in the minds of lost people to just question, God, are you real? Reveal yourself to me. We did an underground Bible school in Turkey a number of years ago while we were still in the mission field. And all of our students came across the border from Iran. So we had Iranian students. Uh, they were all born again. That was an interesting thing because they, they wanted to meet with us between classes with an interpreter and give us their testimonies. And what, 80, 85% of them received Jesus when he appeared to them in a dream or in a vision. So we need to keep praying for the Muslim world. That, that God will intervene in those ways. He'll do it if we pray. But anyway, this pastor we met <clears throat> there in uh, Turkey, he was Iranian, and he was in jail in Turkey. He had committed, or excuse me, in Iran, he had committed a crime, and he was facing a possible death sentence. And so one night in his jail cell, he just looked up at the ceiling, and he said, if there's really a God, show yourself to me. And 30 minutes later, Jesus walked into his jail cell. And somehow he miraculously managed to escape from prison, took his family and got over into Turkey, and now he's pastoring a church in Turkey of Iranian people. So God still does things like that. So pray that God will plant thoughts. You know, I don't care who they are, the hardest sinner, criminal, if they get off and away from their friends or their circle of influence, and they lay their head down on the pillow at night, there's that same empty spot that's in every unsaved person, a God-shaped spot that can only be filled by him. And at that point in time, if we're praying, God can plant the thought in their mind. Just ask God if he's real. Just say, if I don't know if you're real. I don't even believe you're real. But if you are, show yourself to me. I guarantee you he'll do it. And then finally, pray for those who are evangelizing the lost. They need prayer. I'm talking about crusade evangelists. I'm talking about people who are just lay people, who just win people to Jesus. We need to pray for them, for favor, for boldness, open doors. You know, we, we support three crusade evangelists, and we hear stories from them all the time that they get into a foreign country and, and the local government tries to shut down the crusade meeting. And so they need to have favor there. They need protection and health. 
finances, equipment, facilities, anything you can think about that somebody who's preaching the gospel or reaching people for Jesus might need, we can pray that for them. So there are lots of different methods to plant the gospel seed. I've only shared a few of them tonight. But I challenge you tonight, if you're not in some way currently planting the gospel seed, I encourage you to get busy and do that. And if you already are, pray and ask God to show you ways to reach even more people. Because those are the kind of prayers God will answer. I guarantee it. You know, we, all we have to do is read the headlines or listen to the evening news to know that Jesus is coming back very soon. I mean, I can't imagine that it'll be much longer. And when that happens, the church is going to be taken out of the earth. But the poor people that are left behind, they are going to go through hell on earth in the tribulation. In fact, the book of Revelation indicates that 50% of the earth's population will not even live through the tribulation. So we want to take as many people to heaven with us when the rapture takes place as we can. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word that we've heard tonight, and I thank you that it's gone into our hearts where it will find a lodging place, and just like the seed will do, it will begin to grow and produce fruit. I thank you, Father, for these people. I thank you that your boldness comes upon them, Father God, to be a greater witness for Jesus than they've ever been. Father, I thank you that the promptings of the Holy Spirit will become very real to each one of them, Father. And when they're out and about in their daily life, on their job, in their neighborhood, places where they shop, they'll be sensitive to people around them and sensitive to those that you might be leading them to, Father God, to just open up a conversation in some way that would lead them to be able to share Jesus with the person. I thank you, Father God, that you increase this church. Your blessings are on this church. I thank you that new growth will come to this church in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege that you've given each one of us to be seed carriers, seed sowers, seed planters, Lord. And I thank you that your kingdom will be greatly increased through each one of us by being faithful to do what you ask each one of us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you have something, baby? Now we're going to have a general healing line in a minute, but I think you've got something yeah, before uh, that. Well, almost everywhere we go, the Lord's laid it on our hearts to pray for folks that uh, maybe you've had COVID and there's residual um, symptoms. symptoms from that or you've had the vaccine and you've seen some things going on in your body since then we'd like to minister to you if that's you anything that started in your body during COVID or since then or since you've had the vaccine everybody good pastor's probably got you all healed yeah <laughs> Jesus we take authority over those symptoms we command them to cease leave her body in Jesus name we command normal function in That's her right. body every organ every system of her body functioning normally in Jesus name thank you Lord 
Thank you Thank for you, that Lord. anointing, saturating her body Total right now. Total restoration. Yes. In Jesus. Thank you, Father. No more. No more of these symptoms. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. If anyone here has stiffness in their joints, let us minister to you. And maybe it's the same thing or going along with it, pain in the legs. Pain in the legs. Stiffness in the joints, pain. That might cause pain in the legs. I don't know. That's what I got. Is it one particular place or is it all over? Pretty much, Pretty much all, all over. over. We speak to the root of that yes. in the name of Jesus and we break its power. That's right. We thank you, Lord. You revealed this Amen. so you could heal it. And we thank That's you right. for the restoration power of Jesus to flood her body right yes. now. Every joint, every joint That's in her right. body to be totally restored. All pain has to leave. I all yes. adverse effects of that has to leave and we thank you for freedom of movement freedom from pain in the name of jesus yes. thank you for arthritis it, and any form of inflammation i command you to get out of our sister's body in jesus name thank you lord thank you father for that anointing flowing through every joint in her body thank you lord thank you for it mm. Let's just soak a second here. That anointing flowing. Yeah. Flowing, flowing. around her body. Every joint. Every into joint. every joint. Yes. Into every, every joint. joint. All stiffness has yes. to leave. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Arthritis, bursitis, any form of inflammation goes now in Jesus' name. Man, the legs. Is it one particular leg or both? Um, plantar fasciitis. Okay. In the name of Jesus, I'll hold you here. A curse, plantar fasciitis, in Jesus' name. I command bone spurs to dissolve, dissolve off these bottom, the bottom of these feet in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for it. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Spurs dissolve in Jesus' name. Feet be whole, be pain-free in the name of Jesus. Normal walking without pain. In these legs, I release the anointing to go throughout the veins to correct, correct the varicose veins, any swelling, any mm, edema, any fluid 
accumulation has to go in Jesus' name. I take authority over pain. I command it to leave her legs in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, did you have pain in your legs when you came up? I believe you had told me that, so <laughs> I didn't get okay. that by the word of knowledge. But, let me say this, things that run in families, when you got born again, the end. Yeah. The end. He, he, I can't even talk. Yeah, heart disease ran in his family. I mean, like his father and all of his brothers and his uncles, they all died of heart disease. But when he got saved, he took authority over that for him and his brother. And out of all the cousins, they are the only two that don't have any heart problems. Never have any heart problems whatsoever. Walk some. Would it hurt normally when you walked? But right now, I mean, do, do your feet hurt when you walk? Did they hurt when you walked up here? Okay. Well, I believe you're going to see a difference. Yes, sir. It's shorter. Is it shorter? Thank you, Lord. We speak restoration to this foot in Jesus' name. I command muscle to grow and this foot to be normal in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your mighty power working, working, working in his foot. We thank you for a creative miracle in this foot in Jesus' name. Saturating his foot, saturating this area of his body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Give you glory, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You're welcome. Pain in the legs? That one? In Jesus' name? I take authority over any inflammation. If there's an accumulation of any kind of fluid there, I command it to drain off. I curse any form of inflammation, arthritis, bursitis, or anything else. Thank you, Lord. I command that kneecap to be perfectly seated in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I take authority over the pain. I command it to go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for freedom of movement without pain in Jesus' name. Saturating this knee in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Was it hurting when you came up? Try bending it some. It's not hurting now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, is there anybody that just needs healing in general? No, nothing that we called out something different than what we called out. And we'll lay hands on you. 
Yeah, <laughs> no, your pastor lays hands on you, so. It's just part of the ministry God's called us to. We've seen all kinds of stuff that God did. Wonderful things. Wonderful things. Would anybody like agreement for boldness? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that anointing. Yes. That anointing. Yes. It's the same anointing that was on Paul. Actually, it's the same anointing on Jesus because it's the same anointing. And that anointing is being transferred into this cloth. Yes. And from the cloth, it'll be transferred into this girl. And we thank you that it'll drive out all forms of sicknesses, yes. all forms of diseases. If there's any demonic influence there, it has to leave yes. in the name of Jesus. The Amen. yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. Amen. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank Lord. you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Who do we need to give that to? It's Acts. 4.29? No. What you, 429 is give us boldness. Oh, yeah, that's what I was getting ready to talk about. Oh. Oh, you're talking about Acts no. 19, verses 11, 11 and, 12. and 12. I just got foggy in there for a minute. <laughs> so if anybody would have said, you know, I'd just like an increase in boldness. Now, I can't give you that, but we can agree with you yeah. for that. Say, so just, I need more boldness to witness, to share Jesus with others. And I'd just like agreement and prayer for that. Yeah, you know, when Peter and John were, were threatened, said, don't preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus, they went back to their own company. And they said, Lord, give us boldness that we may preach your word. They didn't say, well, help us water down the word so that we won't offend anybody. No, they said to help us to be bold. And yeah. immediately that prayer was answered. The building was shaken. Well, thank you, Father. Father, we thank you yeah. for greater boldness. Boldness. For Pastor Chip. Yes. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We agree together with him, Father God, that great boldness will That's come right. upon him, thank just you. like it was in the, in the book of Acts. <laughs> Father, ha-ha, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. When he's out in public, that boldness will be on him. When That's he's right. in the pulpit, that boldness will be on him. When he's counseling and ministering to his church people, that boldness will be on him, Lord, to say and do everything that you ask him to say and do. And that he'll be sensitive to your promptings, Lord. Sensitive, more than he's ever been before. Yes, thank you, Lord. And we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Greater you, boldness yes. and greater yes. influence. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We lay hands thank on Pastor Lord. Chris. We thank you, Father thank you, God, Lord. for that boldness greater to come on her. Boldness. Uh, she travels in a lot of places oh, yeah. and rubs elbows with Has a lot of sinners. Opportunity I thank you, Father God, that, that she'll, she'll know the opportunity when it's there. Thank you, Lord. She'll know it, Father. Thank she'll you, be sensitive to those that are ready. That's right. Ready to hear, ready to receive. And she'll know how to open up a conversation that leads to that. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for great boldness. Yes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank greater you, Father. Boldness. Yes, thank, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. As he goes about his boldness. life, rubs elbows with his friends and his circle of influence, we thank you, Father God, that he will be a bold witness for you. That first of all, they'll see it in his life. We know he's living for you, Lord. 
They'll see it in his life, and it'll open the door, Father God. Give him greater influence, right. greater influence, a wider circle of influence in Jesus' name, Father, and great boldness to open his mouth Thank and make you, known the mystery of the gospel. He'll just know. You'll just give him an ability to know exactly how to lead into that, Father, in Jesus' name. Draw young people to him, That's Father. That's right. Thank you, Father. Draw them to him. We pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank Father, you. we thank you for boldness. Great boldness, Father God. She'll surprise herself at how bold she is if she just takes that step and begins to share Jesus with others. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for leading people across her path yes. that are ready to receive. And she'll know it. She'll know it. She'll recognize it. I thank you for it, Father. You'll give her the exact words to say. You'll show her how to open the conversation and then how to transition and lead into that plan of salvation. We thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. And every single one of you can pass out tracks. You say, well, I can't just walk up to somebody and give them a track. Then leave it in strategic yeah. places. When I was a youth minister, um, I found this... Don't don't judge me, okay? I found this track, and the front of it was a marijuana leaf. But when you opened it up, it was somebody's testimony about how Jesus delivered them from drugs. And so I handed them out to my kids, and I said, put these in the bathroom at school, put them in the locker room. If, if you're on a sports team and you're visiting another school, put it in their locker room. Just put these things everywhere. I mean, we can, we can all be track passer-outers, whether or not you stand on the corner like that little man did or not. Or, you know, like I said, when we travel, we leave them in hotel rooms. God will show you where to put them. But if you need to order some, um, I, I don't know, do you have a local Christian bookstore or one in the area? Okay, Mardell, M-A-R-D-E-L.com. It's a big, humongous Christian bookstore in Tulsa, and they have online as well. Mardell, M-A-R-D-E-L.com. And you can order all kinds of tracks from them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, souls are the only thing we can take to heaven with us. Yeah. They can bury you in your Lamborghini, but you'll wake up on the other side without it. <laughs> but you'll wake up on the other side in heaven with souls. Yeah. If you win them down here. And that's your reward for all eternity. I want to get to heaven and look back over my shoulder and see multitudes of yeah. people behind me. As a result of something. You know, it may not have been that I witnessed and won them one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe I supported an evangelist that went. But I mean, that you get a part in that. Yeah. Praying for, for an evangelist or praying for somebody. You get a part in that. Yeah, I don't want to get to heaven and face Jesus. And he just says, well... Not well done, just, well. <laughs> well amen. amen. Well, it's been good to be here with you guys. Did you have anything else? No, I don't believe I did tonight. Thank you, thank you Father. Thank you, thank Lord, you. Lord, if there's you. anything else, I ask you yeah. to show us right now. We're open to follow you. Thank you. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you for the seed that was planted. Now, Holy Spirit, we thank you. You said that you would bring the Word of God to our remembrance. And you would lead and guide us into all the truth and show us things to come. We're your children, and we're led of your Spirit. You prompt us, and we'll obey when you lead us. We thank you for that. In 
Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. <clears throat> you know, we put that uh, uh, message on our wall back there because it's uh, our heart is to uh, reach the lost, but also to those that have lost their way because the folks that are backslid are just as valuable as people that uh, um, that have never known the Lord. Amen. And um, how many people uh, do we know that you went to church with years ago and don't even go to church anymore, right? Uh, and uh, the Lord cares about them just as much as he cares about anybody else. Amen. Uh, and so we want to reach the, we reach the lost and those that have lost their way. And, um, <clears throat> you know, being bold uh, is part of it. You know, one thing that the Lord's always helped me with, especially as a, as a pastor, because, uh, Miss Angela, I'm not too much unlike you. You know, I'd be happy you locked me in that office there. I mean, I'm good. You know, I'd be fine. You know, slide a pizza in the door every now and then, you know. Uh, but, you know, yeah. And um, <clears throat> but um, the one thing that the Lord uh, helped me as a pastor years ago, and it's and it's helped me even as I witness to people, um, it, and it's really simple. He said, just just care. Uh, when you look at somebody, you care. You know, you care about their life. You care about who they are. You care that they're on their way to heaven. Uh, and it's not that we don't care, but, you know, when, when that compassion rises up, which is what, really what it's saying, when you look at somebody and the compassion that, you know, Lord, their eternal destiny needs to be with you. You know, that, that, that desire then to, uh, to talk to them because, you, know, you know, my natural self is like, well, I got nothing to say to them. You know, what, you know there's, there's nothing they want to hear from me. <clears throat> but if you care, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be about you. It's about them. Amen. Uh, and so that's a great message, Miss Angela. We appreciate it, you know. And, and um, uh, I think it's just helpful for the church to hear a good message on encouraging us to, to win the loss, sow the seeds, and reap a harvest of, of uh, people that go on the way to heaven. Because really, uh, that's the only reason why we're here. Amen? If all the souls were one, we wouldn't be here. Amen? We'd all be up in heaven. The Lord would be like, well, it's time to go. Amen? And, um, uh, and I sense, too, that you know, the Lord may be getting ready to come back soon, but I still, you know, Lord, don't come quickly. I know some people pray that. Lord, delay as long as you can. Amen? delay as long as you can and um, because uh, the saddest day on on the uh, I think for all eternity is when all those folks stand before the Lord Jesus and he said you can't come you know even the one you know you th I think I think a lot about the situation where all the people that have actually died today or you know died uh, without knowing the Lord Jesus and right now they're in torment in hell they're going to leave hell for a short period of time and go stand before glory before the, the, the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, and he will tell them, this is your eternal destiny to go back to hell. And you think about that short reprieve that they get from being tormented. You know, you think about the rich young ruler or the, the, uh, the, the rich man and Lazarus. You know, just, just even a drop of water on my tongue would be sufficient to, to relieve some of his torment. And, of course, Abraham said he couldn't do that. But uh, that man, that rich man from, from uh, Luke 16, he's going to leave that place of torment and then he's going to go stand before the Lord Jesus in all the glory. He'll see the rainbow over the, over the throne of God. He'll see his brothers and sisters that did make it to heaven. He'll see his friends. He'll see that, that, uh, that annoying neighbor that witnessed to him all the time, uh, but that he wouldn't yield to him. He'll see all those people, and he'll have to turn back around and go back for eternity back into, into the region of the damned. And, uh, and I think about the regret. I mean, you, you know, and, and you think about the, the, you know, I think about the Lord Jesus, uh, 
how much he was motivated by love to do everything he did for us. And to see that person that he knew he died for them. He shed blood for that person. Uh, and they were so close. I mean, everybody in the whole earth is one step away from heaven. You know, they're, they're, no one's far away. They're, all they have to do is say yes. Uh, and, and, and Jesus will have to stand there and say, you can't come. Uh, and, and it won't be out of anger. You know, his heart will be broken and crushed and knowing that, uh, uh, that they missed an opportunity because he did all the work so that be, for us, he said for, for his sake, he wants us to be with him. Uh, and it's going to be a it's going to be a difficult day, amen. Uh, and I think that's why it talks about there be no more tears in heaven. He wiped away the tears because that day there's going to be tears in heaven, as all of us see people that we know that have missed it, amen. And uh, you know sometimes you know people get to make a choice, right? You may spend all your life uh, uh, praying for somebody, witnessing somebody, and they may still at, at the end of the day choose not to accept them, uh, and then you'll have to see that occur, amen. So, uh, but it's it's. Uh, it's good to, to be reminded that this is our sole purpose for existing on the earth. Amen. Everything else, jobs and homes and families and cars and even Lamborghinis, you know, uh, are all secondary, right? Uh, <laughs> we're here to advance the kingdom of heaven. Amen. That's, in fact, that's what it says right there, to advance the kingdom of heaven by getting people into heaven. Amen. Uh, and so we thank, uh, we thank uh, uh, Mr. Larry Miss Angela for coming all the way from uh, Oklahoma here. I know they're on. They're on their. Um, they have a, like a circuit. They come in the southeast here, and um, you were in Murfreesboro earlier this week, right? And headed north to uh, Murphy, North Carolina, uh, here. Uh, well, tomorrow you're heading that way, right? Uh, and be there for five services. Uh, and um, uh, it's uh, uh, Robbie and Mike Williams over there in Murphy, North Carolina. So they're great people there. We've known them for many years, and so and they get to do. They do a children's camp every year. They'll be doing that uh, at the end of June or so. So, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive an offering. And so, yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want to stand up and do that again? Raise your hand. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> well, the Lord is good. Amen. Praise God. That's a, a good testimony. Uh, and so, uh, what's that? Oh, yeah? Well, there you go. Well, the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. So, um, praise God. Um, well, it is, it is nice uh, for uh, Miss Angela and Larry uh, to be here. Uh, it's nice to have folks that know how to flow in the anointing, amen, know how to yield to the Spirit of God, know how to, uh, uh, Brother Hagen always called it the law of contact and transmission, but you've got to have something to transmit it, amen, and uh, if you're not used to flowing with the Holy Ghost, you're, you, uh, you know, the law is still in effect, but if you're not transmitting, there's no receiving, amen, and so we thank, we're thankful that they know how to uh, allow the Spirit of God in them to be transferred into the bodies of other people to affect the healing and the cure, uh, and so... The Lord is good, amen, and that's, that's, that's valuable. And the nice thing is, you know, if you'll learn how to receive, and of course, like Miss Dora learned how to receive, uh, it helps her to understand how to be the giver of that same anointing, amen? Because uh, if you know how to receive, you can learn how to give, amen? Uh, and so, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive an uh, evening offering today, and so everything we receive tonight will go into the ministry of, of Larry and Angela Keaton as they travel the country and deliver both the Word of God and the Spirit of God to 
other churches, and, and uh, we're thankful they'll come to big churches, come to little churches, and, and um, that's not to say we'll stay a little church, but uh, uh, we're thankful that they're here, amen? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I think about the quality of the, of the anointing that's upon their life, you know, how valuable it is, amen? How, how important it is, uh, and, and to stay the course with that, you know, that you could come and preach a, a happy message and, uh, you know, uh, you know, run around a little bit and, and hoop and holler some, uh, but the most important thing is to, is to impart something to our ministry uh, by the Spirit of God, and so I'm thankful that they are willing to do that and be humble servants of the Lord in order to do that, amen, uh, and so everything we receive tonight will go into their ministry We'll sow, uh, sow into the ministry, and we'll, we'll send them on their merry way tomorrow and go uh, see some friends of ours and, and uh, have good services over there. They're going to be there five services, right, Friday night, uh, two. S- yeah, yeah. And so, uh, Murphy, if you want to go, it's two hours away, right, uh, here from, from here. So you just head through Cleveland. And, uh, and actually, if you get on Highway 60, it's literally, that's the last turn you'll make when you get to their church. Two hours on Highway 60, you know, yeah, you'll go over Hill and over Dale and by the Okoe and, you know, you know, go through the mountains. And, uh, but it's literally you get on Highway 60 and then you turn right into the parking lot. Uh, and so, um, praise God. Uh, well, let's pray and we'll thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So, Father, we do thank you. That's an honor to give into your kingdom. And, Father, it's an honor to sow into the ministries of, of Larry and Angela Keaton. We thank you, Father, they're, they're servants of the Most High God. And, Father, do all the rights and privileges of heaven. And we thank you, Father, as we sow into the ministry that we also have fruit in their ministry as they produce fruit, Father, both of the word and sowing in other people's lives and in the ministry of laying hands on the sick and witnessing to the lost, Father, that we, we sow and partake in their ministry, Father, and the fruit of their ministry. And so we thank you for that, Father. And we praise you and give you all the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jared. And... Um, Uh, you know, you got uh, nice weather for traveling anyway, right? So it's been great uh, travel weather. So no hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and all that stuff, right? So, um, but um, um, and so um, uh, don't forget June the third uh, we'll be here, and also June the second, of course, is that Friday night at five p.m. We'll be here at the church, and we'll open up the uh, the the free yard sale for the church. And then on Saturday, we'll open up for the community. And so, um, but uh, you take one thing, you got to take two, right? And I think that's our law, right? So, <laughs> but uh, that's not a problem for the folks on, what's that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, all right, praise God. We'll be blessed. Be sure to greet uh, Larry and Angela as they head out. And uh, we'll see you all on Sunday. <laughs>